0: All right. Good morning again. Good morning. All right. Uh, we're planning a mission trip to Jamaica um, um, in July, from July 31st to August 7th. So if you are interested, please um, let me know. See me. Uh, we are going to, as we did last year, Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf, and the cost will be between $800 to $1,000. Uh, we had a great time. Six of us went last year, and we had a great time. So we're hoping to do this again, and we're Hopefully, last year we did a, did a Valentine's dinner, and I think we had a great time. So we're hoping, hoping to do one again this year. So please, please put us on your calendar, and come um, August 30. Sorry, July 31st to August 7th, we'll be going to Jamaica. All right. All right? I want to turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read the first three verses. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Let us pray. Father, again, speak to our hearts. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The subject I want us to consider this morning is running the race to win. Running the race to win. As we begin the new year, we set goals and resolutions for the coming year. Many of you are presently writing down these aspirations. You're saying, as I begin the new year, I want to to run the race of life well. Some are saying, I'm going to be involved in the race race of raising my children to be productive citizens. Others are saying, I'm going to move up in the corporate ladder. While our young people might be saying, I'm going to be involved in the race of getting better grades so that I can move on to college or do some vocational work. For many of us, the race for 2010 is to be a better husband a better wife, or a better parent. Many of us are, 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 are saying our desire for this race is to, is to bring our body under subjection and to hit the gym and be as fit as possible or be in the best shape as possible. If you are here this morning, you're in a race. As Christians, we are involved in the race whether we like it or not. When we responded and accepted Jesus Christ As our personal Lord and Savior, we entered the race. When we lay down our life and picked up the mantle of being a Christian, we entered the race. When God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enlightened our understanding and He gave us the saving faith to trust in the Redeeming One, we entered the race. The meaning of the word race as the idea of a place of contest battle where battles conflicts and struggles take place the author of the Hebrews was thinking of the Greek games where you would have where you have spectators upon spectators um, in a stadium cheering on the athletes who are working hard he uses he uses <coughs> this imagery for believers for believers whom he was speaking That they are in a race, that they are in a race, they're in a conflict, they're in a struggle, they're there, and the the host of believers are in the stadium cheering them along. Cornerstone, in this race, in this struggle, in this battle, we will go through agony, we will go through pain, we will go through struggle, we will suffer. The race of the Christian is not one where we stand at ease or stand at ease and or stand on the sideline watching other believers running. It is a constant moving. It is it requires active involvement. The race of the believer is not a passive luxury. But it's the de- demanding, sometimes gruelling, agonizing battle and requires requires our utmost self discipline, perseverance, and determination. Some of some people coming to the race, believing that it's a 100-meter dash, and that they can run the race in 9.59 seconds as Usain Bolt. Allow me to enlighten you. It is not a 100-meter dash. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It calls for longevity. In this race, you won't reach the finish line in 10 seconds, but you must endure to the end. You must endure (coughs) to the end. And and at times we treat the Christian life as if it is a fast food restaurant. I want to have it my way. I want to have it as quickly as possible. But no, it is more like an elegant restaurant where the food is cooked and prepared to order. The food is cooked and prepared to order. Paul did not say in Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14, That he obtained perfection in 10 seconds. He said, I do not consider myself to have obtained perfection. But one thing I do know. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward goal to win the prize. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Are you running the race to win? Everyone enters enters a race should enter the win. Bronze bronze and silver medals are nice, but we are running to win the gold. No one enters the race and says, I sure hope I come in third place. The attaboys, the way to go, the good jobs are nice words, but we are running to win. We are running to win. Let's talk about what it takes to win the race. What does it take to win the race? Running the race to win takes encouragement. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, whatever we are doing, we need some form of encouragement. On the job, we need our boss to give us a word of encouragement sometimes. In our household, we need our parents, our, our parents to encourage the children, and husband and wives encourage each other. At church, we need encouragement. We we don't need the the pastor to be constantly chastising us. In whatever we are doing, we need some form of encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we are told about the cloud of witnesses. The cloud is not not referring to the nimbostratus, cirrocumulus, or altocumulus clouds we might find in our atmosphere, but it's referring to the Old Testament saints. Brothers and sisters who are examples of the faith, who ran the race well. The author of the Hebrews (coughs) uses the word, therefore, to draw us back to chapter 11. The great cloud of witnesses are those stalwarts of the faith found in chapter 11. The cloud of witnesses are those men and women of chapter 11 who tested and trusted in Jesus Christ and God despite their difficulties. They trusted in God, <coughs> despite their difficulties. Here, the word "witnesses" does not mean spectator, as, stand, as, as fans standing in, the, in a stadium watching us run the race, as watching us run the race, but have never been involved in the race. The idea, the idea of witnesses, is that of a martyr. A martyr is one who has seen, heard, and knows the truth of his or her faith. They have experiential knowledge to confirm and attest the truthfulness of their faith. These heroes of the faith are not are not witnessing what what we are doing as spectators. They are not standing in the galleries of heaven watching us run the race. Rather, they are bearing witness to to, to us that God can see us through because He has seen them through. He has seen them through. They are they are, unlooked, they are they are examples, not unlookers. They are proved by their faith. They're they're, they're, they're proven by their testimony, their witness that the life of faith is the only life to live. Is the only life to live. The author of Hebrews was encouraging the, the Jewish Christians, and he's encouraging us today. He's saying to he's saying, look at these men and women. They have they have run. The race, well, they bore witness for God despite the hardship they went through. The writer, the writer was saying, look at Noah. He trusted God and built, and built a ark even though there wasn't any rain for many years. Look at Abraham. He believed that God would give him a, give him a son even in his old age. Look at Moses, he refused the world's prestige, the world's, the world's pleasure, and the world's position for the sake of Christ, for our God. Look at no, look at Enoch. By faith, he wa- he he walked with God for three hundred years. Look at Rahab, by faith, she welcomed the spies. By look at look at Daniel. By faith he prayed three times a day, even though he was thrown into the den of lions look at look 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 at look at look at the three Hebrew boys by faith, they trusted in God, although they were thrown into the into the fire furnace look at the old testament faith look at the old testament he, um, saints they are heroes of the faith look at billy graham look at by faith he preached the gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ look at jonathan edward john tony evans look at look at john, john um, Look at Jonathan Edwards, John MacArthur, John Calvin, John Wesley, Martin Lloyd-Jones. By faith they preach and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have someone in your life who have tested, who have proven their faith. And maybe you you know them. Listen, you can be encouraged because individuals have gone before us. They have gone before us. They They have tested the faith. They have run well. Are you running the race? to win are you running the race to win so when so when you are being persecuted for righteousness sake when you are being persecuted because we bear witness of the cross let us remember the stalwarts of the faith when we are being ridiculed and blasphemed against um, and again let us remember the old testament saints When we are being scorned and mocked and mocked and we are called religious fanatics, let us remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and be encouraged. Running the race to win takes encouragement. Secondly, running the race to win takes sacrifice. Second part of verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let, let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. When an athlete is preparing for a race, his desire or her desire is to be as, possible, is, is to be as fit as possible. They work out very regularly. They try to transform their, their fat into muscles. They place, they place themselves in, on a strict diet in order to be as physically fit as possible. In the actual race, they try to wear the least amount of gear as they can. They try to free their minds from any problems or situations that would that would stop them from running the race well. They try to lay aside all hindrances or weight that would hinder them from winning the race. These hindrances and obstacles are not necessarily wrong, bad, or evil in themselves. In themselves, but they can prohibit the the, the believer. From running the race well. It is possible that the that the hindrances or weight of these Hebrew Christians were, were Judaism and Legalism. And they were hanging on to these old religious ways as we've seen in Galatians chapter three. As Christians, we have ex- we have excess weight holding us back. Excess weight diverts our attention. It saps our energy. It dampens our enthusiasm the things of God. We need to run as a well-oiled machine. Men, if you're watching too much, too much sports and it's causing you not to run the race well, guess what? Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Women, ladies, possible you need to lay aside some of the romance novels you might be reading and stop spending your time watching the view Oprah, or Desperate Housewives, if there are some past tragedies that are causing you not not to run the race, well, guess what, believers? Lay it aside. Lay it aside. You need to lay aside any form of recreation that is causing you or causing us not to run the race well. We need to lay aside all the the pain and hurts. We need to lay aside any self-pity. And listen... Listen carefully. We need to lay aside any lukewarm Christians who are not running well. Anyone who is not running the way, any Christian, lukewarm Christian who is not running the race well, lay that person aside. Those Those that are keeping others from running well at times, these Christians are walking slowly, not keeping us, not keeping up with the pace of the race. Some of these Christians are sitting and standing on the track, while others are even lying on the track, not hindering us from running well. When when someone is just standing or sitting on the track, he's he's unaware that he's being hampered by the weight because he isn't running. He isn't making any attempt or effort to go anywhere. When you are running, you are aware that you you have extra weight and, 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 and you don't, that you don't need. Therefore, therefore, believers, we need to hurdle over them. We need to hurdle over those who sit or stand on the track. We need to steeple chase over them. We need to jump over them. We need to run around them. them. We need to lay aside everything and anything and anyone who is hindering us from running the race of the believer. Well, what is hindering you? From running the race of the believer well. What is it? Are you running the race well? Not only should we lay aside the weight that hinders us, but also we should lay aside the sin that so easily entangles. The text text does not say what sin the author is referring to. Some believe. Because of of the previous text that mentioned the sin of unbelief, the author is referring to the sin of unbelief. While others believe that the author is referring to the particular sin that entangles that individual. Whatever the case, lay it aside. Whatever the case, lay it aside. If the sin of unbelief entangles you, lay it aside. If the sin of lying entangles the believer... Lay it aside. If the sin of inner strife entangles you, lay it aside. If the sin of anger and violence entangles you, lay it aside. If the sin of malice and greed entangles you, lay it aside. If the sin of gossip and slander entangles the believer, lay it aside. If the sin of jealousy, jealousy and coveting, entangles the person, lay it aside. Whatever it is, lay it aside. Sin wraps itself around the Christian's feet so that he or she trips and falls. How can we lay the sin of unbelief or that, or that sin that entangles us? We can only do so by reckoning ourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way it can be done. Running the race to win takes encouragement, Running the race to win takes sacrifice, and thirdly, thirdly, running the race to win takes focus. Verse two: Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the Author and Perfector of our faith, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross, endured the cross, carning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When one is in a race, he has to keep his eyes focused or fixed on the finish line. He must keep his eyes on the prize. If an athlete, athlete is distracted by looking at other, other athletes in the race and not on the finish line, it will cause that person to slow down. If he takes the time to look at his feet, he loses focus and loses ground. The Christian life is like a race. We cannot allow things that are, not imp- that are not important to shift our focus. We cannot allow things that are trivial to keep our eyes off the prize. The writer says we must run with perseverance. This means you cannot continue the race and keep your and, you cannot continue the race and keep your eyes on the prize even when everything when everything in it wants to slow you down. It means you continue you continue the race when the spiritual legs is giving out from under you. It means you continue in the race when you have conflicting emotions that want to pull you away from the race. It means you continue in the race when it seems as if there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It means you continue in the race when you're even family members and, and friends, and friends, are against your biblical principles. It means you continue in the race when you are preaching the gospel and no one is coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It means you continue in the race when you lose a loved one and you feel like giving up. You don't give up, you stay focused. You don't give in, you stay focused. We must keep our eyes on the prize and that prize is Jesus. That prize is Jesus to fix our eyes on Jesus means it means to, to turn our eyes away from other things and keep our eyes fastened and glued on Him, or to view Jesus with undivided attention by looking away from others and uh, 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 from looking away from, other, from others. At times we give more attention to self rather than fixing our attention on Jesus. Believers are more preoccupied with what other Christians might think or say about them. Than they do about uh, than keeping their their eyes fixed on Jesus. Our eyes are are, our eyes are fixed on those in the bleachers and those in the grandstand rather than 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 on the, the person that can help us win the race. Our eyes should be should not be fixed on the many but on the one. Our eyes should not waver to the left. Are to the right, but must be glued on Jesus. It means that you don't lose sight of Jesus because because you have struggles in your marriage. It it means that you don't lose sight of Jesus because your children are giving you problems. It means that you don't lose sight of Jesus because the burdens you are carrying daily. It means that you don't lose sight of Jesus because of the financial bind that you are in. It means that you must You must keep your eyes glued. It means that you must keep your eyes fastened. It means that you need to stay focused. You need to stay focused and glue your attention to the person of Jesus. Jesus had focus. He was willing to run the race well at any cost. He has has been through whatever you are going through now. He has felt the hurt and pain of loneliness. The religious leaders mocked him. They said, He saved others, but can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe. The Bible tells us that we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows our hardships. He knows our long sufferings. He knows the tough and difficult times you have been through or you're going through. Even now, Jesus, He stayed focused. He was focused. The author also stated that the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross and the shame, and is now seated at the right hand. What is this joy? What that was set before Him? What is this joy that was set before the Saviour? Some believe that Jesus endured the cross so that he might not gain, so that he might gain or obtain certain joy which was placed before him as a reward for his suffering. The word "for" should be translated instead of, and the word "set" means lying before or to be set before. So, what was this joy that was set before him, or what was in front of him? May I suggest to you, it was the full divine glory, the the the, the pre-incarnate life, the life which had, which the life which He had before the world was. He exchanged. Listen, He exchanged all of this and accepted the cross and its shame in order for you and I to have life eternal. He accepted all of Jesus. Here, Jesus renounced. He renounced the joy that was actually in His hands, that was set before him, for him. He renounced the joy that was His by being part of the Trinity. He renounced the joy of, going, of saying, listen, I want my entire glorification. He could have accepted it then, but He said, no, I want to go to Calvary. I want to go to Calvary and die for sinners so that you and I can have life eternal. That's what he did. He renounced the Trinity, or he renounced, uh, um, he renounced the joy that was being, being part of the Trinity. Instead of accepting this joy of, of being fully glorified, he decided to go to the cross. He was so focused that he would not allow his, his pre incarnate life to stop him from accepting the cross and its shame and go to Calvary. What a gracious God. What a merciful God we serve. He could have said, yes, I want to go back to heaven. I want to be with my father and go back to the position that I had. But no, he said, listen, there are sinners down here. They, 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 they need a savior. And I am willing, I am ready. To renounce my glorification in order for you and I to have life eternal. What a gracious God is said. He? he was focused. He was willing to run to the end. He was focused. He did not take his eyes off the prize so that you and I can have life. This was the joy that was before him. But instead of accepting it, He said, wait. I'll wait. And go to the cross and die for the sins of this world. After I went to the cross, the text says, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Guess what? Jesus is not getting up again. Jesus is not getting up again. Not only is he sitting down, but he continues and he will always remain seated. Listen, the work of salvation is completed. He will never rise again and repeat the work of the cross for sinners again. He will never rise again. And so if you're here this morning and you have never responded to the gospel and you should die this morning, guess what? You will not have another opportunity to respond to the gospel because Jesus Christ will not die again. So it's better to face Him now than to wait until eternity to face Him. Jesus will not die again. The work of the cross is finished. It is telestai. It is done. The work of salvation is complete. Are you willing? To accept him if you have never trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior. Finally, finally, running the race to win takes a positive example. Running the race to win takes a positive example. Verse 3 Consider him when there is such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Although the Old Testament saints are great examples, the ultimate example is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Although the Old Testament saints are great encouragement, as I said, the ultimate example is Jesus Christ. Jesus in running the race, set a positive example for us. He endured the sufferings of the cross. Jesus, Jesus did not sin, could not sin, would not sin, but He took your sin, my sin, and He went to the cross, and He died for us. He could have said, Father, I'm the most perfect being ever lived, and so I, don't need to go to the cross. I've never committed any sins. And because of that, I will not go to the cross. However, the scripture tells us He who knew no sin yet, beca- yet became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. For Christ died on the cross for our sins once and for all, the righteous and the unrighteous, to bring you to God. The cross or the crucifixion is said to be the cruelest form of punishment. It is said, it is said that this heinous, heinously cruel act damaged no vital organs. It was a slow and painful death. This kind of act was, was spared for criminals and insurrections. The crucifixion was barbaric, was a barbaric method of execution. Developed for those who were re- rebellious, those who committed murders and violent and violent robbers. The crucifixion was a public affair. Jesus, who was being crucified for crimes he did not commit, was naked and fastened to a stake, cross or tree, on a well-travelled route. Jesus, who was crucified for uh, Jesus, was beaten. With a leather whip containing shreds of metals or bones that tore his flesh, as he carried the cross. The Son of God was nailed to the cross and thrown, and uh, was, was nailed to the cross, and a crown was placed on his head. Jesus endured the cross and its shame. He endured it so that you and I can have life. Jesus ran the race well knowing. What was at the end of the race? Jesus ran the race well. No, well, Jesus ran the race well, knowing the work of salvation would be completed. Jesus ran the race well, knowing it would be that he would be seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, runs with expectation of winning a prize. In some cases, the prize might be a trophy. In other cases, it might be a large sum of money. It might be fame and recognition. At times, it might be receiving a gold medal. As Christians, our prize is to be with our risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, forever and forever. Maybe you're here this morning. You have never trusted Christ. You don't have that opportunity. Christ was involved in, the ra- in this race And he did not want to waver to the right or the left. He kept his eyes focused on the prize. Christ went through hardship. But he endured the cross and its shame. Because of the prize at the end of the race, we need to stay focused. Whatever obstacles are in our way, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. If you fall along the way, you need to continue. You You need to get up. And continue to the finish line. If you feel like fainting. You need to continue to the finish line. When you reach the finish line. You can faint in the safe arms. Of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Let us pray.